2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 32. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 32. David starts and ends this verse with two rhetorical, rhetorical questions. It's actually two verses in the King James. You can find identical wording, phrase. And uh, so I think if God puts it in the word twice, he duplicates it on purpose. He, it's the same author. He's the author. It's the same penman. David is the penman. But David feels the need not just to pen it one time, but he two times writes these words, for who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? Two questions that he asks, but he never gives us the answer to because I believe that, that David already knows the answer. Literature would tell us that he uses a rhetorical device. David uses words in a certain way to convey the deep meaning to persuade us or to persuade those in his audience about what he already knows. Word architects would say he employs a technique to evoke emotion within the reader or his audience. He's not asking because he needs to know. The questions are asked because somebody needs to be reminded about the answer. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. And the world would like to tell us that there is many, they may not frame it in the way this is our God, but let me tell you, there are many knees that are bowed at many altars and many idols in our day. There are many gods that are being worshipped and gods that are being served, but David, his question echoes down through time into our service this morning, and I think it's relevant, and even though it's rhetorical, I think that it's important that we ask ourselves the same question, for who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. Who? Anybody got an answer? Anybody know it's the one that we've been singing about? Anybody know it's that one that we just said amen to? Anybody know that that kind of God is in the room today? That that kind of king is still on the throne? That answer is still here for everyone that's willing to ask the question, who is God? I'll tell you who he is. His name's Jesus. And Jesus showed up on purpose here this morning to minister to somebody because that question's looming in your mind right now. And God wants to nail the answer down in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful for this opportunity that we have to be in this room together. Your people, your church. God, those that have come and those that are coming, I, I thank you for what you're doing in lives. Pray for pastor this morning, Terre Haute, Indiana. God, I ask that you bless him this morning. Pray your anointing would rest on him. God bless Pastor Jeff Harpool's church. God bless that region, that area. And I'm praying, God, that you would bless this region, our area. In your powerful and in your precious name, we pray. And someone said, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The songwriter penned these words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. 
in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Say it with me. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I, that's more than just a song. It's more than just a poem. It's more than just words that are, <clears throat> that are put together that that, that means something in this room to so many of us today. We have found that when everything around us is shaking, when everything around us isn't stable, that we have found him to be that rock. I remember this one time we were swimming. I can't, I can't remember exactly where, but I, <clears throat> I think it was somewhere in Hoyt. We had been there with a, there's a little waterfall and, and we were swimming and and I remember trying to get out of this one, one particular location. I was having trouble getting out. And the, a friend of mine, Sean Wright, was there. He, he helped to a great deal. And I, I remember that, that every time I attempted to put my feet down, there was nothing concrete beneath me. Sean helped me that day. I think he reached out and kind of pulled me in. And, and I'll never forget that when I put my feet down, they found something solid. That feeling of, of what was not there before all of a sudden becoming what exactly I needed. That, that, that firm place, that, that place that I could stand up and I could, I could gather my strength and I could catch my breath. And so often in our lives there are seasons and there are times like that. And I just want to remind somebody today that he is that rock that we need in moments like that in our lives. He is that solid rock. Your life needs a rock like that. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, it was Samuel that challenged the children of Israel to put away all of their other gods and serve God only. Samuel challenged them. He said, gather at Mizpah and I'll pray for you unto the Lord. In verse 6, he said, they gathered and they drew water and poured it out before God and they fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. He, he preached to them. He, he challenged them. He judged them. He, he brought justice into the equation. He reminded them of what they had done and then what they should do. He, he told them about their sin. He told them about their wrongdoings. He, he told them about their shortcomings. He, he reminded them. Is anybody just hungry for something in your life for someone to remind you that there are things that you need to do and there are things that you should not do? I know that, that, that I'm encouraged when, when we come to read the word of God and when we hear about uh, an encouraging word from God and we hear about how the strength is already there for us and, and we can do it. But sometimes someone's just going to stand in front of us and say, we're doing some things wrong. I'm not even saying I'm going to do that this morning. Everyone's all bracing. People just got a hold of the pew beside you and you're white, knuck you know, you're white knuckling it on the, the pew in front of you. That, I'm not even saying, but I'm grateful for the word of God that will bring light into our lives and the things that seem so uncertain, maybe just even a half hour ago, all of a sudden they, 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 there's clarity, there's, there's understanding. The word of God brought light into the midst of darkness. It, it challenged us, it convicted us, it, it, it called us to change who we were. That, that's what was happening in this scripture right here. Samuel judged the children of Israel. He said, there's some things that you're doing right, but, but there's sure some things that you're doing wrong. He challenged them. And uh, the enemy's always listening to the preacher and those being preached to. Do you know that? 
1 Samuel 7, verse 7 says, And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. The, the devil really doesn't have any new tactics or plans, church. Let me tell you, when, when people assemble themselves together for the purpose of getting closer to God, the enemy is going to show up. There's a reason why there's a struggle in services. There's a reason why we consistently push back in our, in our services to, for people to worship because it seems like our hands get glued at our sides and our feet get stamped to the floor and we really have a hard time moving and we can say, well, it's just Sunday morning and, and it's just it's been a rough week or it's the, it's the low-lying pressure on the outside, it's the forecast, it's fall, it's winter, it's snow, it's all kinds of things. Let me tell you what it is sometimes. It's just a, na a natural spiritual oppression that comes in because the devil knows there's some things that God wants to do in the room this morning and there's a door that's opened up when we begin to allow God in and we invite him with our praise and we invite him with our worship and that when the preacher begins to preach we don't check out or tune out or head out I'll tell you what happens our mind begins to get focused on the word of God the enemy's gonna fight a time like that there's a reason why our minds are going seven ways from Sunday right now. There's a reason why the devil's kind of conjuring up all kinds of ideas. He's throwing them towards us. We're distracted by somebody around us. We're thinking about the week ahead of us. Can I just remind somebody? God wants to do something right here and right now. Right here in this room. God wants to do something. Don't let, don't let the enemy steal what God wants to do. The Philistines heard that Israel were gathered together, so they went up against Israel. The enemy showed up this morning. He's coming against us, but here's what I know. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Here's what I know, that when we begin to worship and when we begin to sing and when we begin to praise, all of a sudden, chains start falling off. Philistines begin running out the back door. The enemy starts stepping back because he can't compete with the power that's in this room this morning. They showed up, the lords of the Philistines went up and the children of Israel heard it and they were afraid of the Philistines and the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines and, and Samuel, he offers an, an offering to the Lord and he begins to cry up and call out to God. And it says, I love this, but the Lord, it says that the, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. That's what can happen in this room this morning. That God, when we showed up and we began to cry out to God and say, God, we need you to turn some things around. God, we need you to change our circumstance. God, we need you to turn sickness into health. God, we need you to turn poverty into wealth. God, we, we need you to turn our sin-sick souls into holy apostolic Christians. God, we need that kind of thing to happen in our life. Let, let me tell you what happens, that God begins to hear cries like that, and he's willing to thunder from heaven to turn everything around. He will put the enemy out the front door. He'll put the enemy out the side door. He'll put the enemy out the back door. God will put the enemy wherever he's got to put him just so that he can have victory in the camp. God wants to bring that kind of victory in the room this morning. I'd like to shake it up just a little bit if that's all right. Would you just kind of get your hands in the air for a minute and get your voice, come on, lift it a little higher than your hands for a minute and begin to cry out to God. God, we need, God, we need the enemy pushed back. We, we need some victory to happen in the room this morning. God, we need healing to come on your people today. Kataya labo shato labo soto 
that victory prompted some action on the part of Samuel. He took a stone and he set it between Mizpah and Shen and he called the name of it Ebenezer saying, hitherto, in other words, so far, up until now, the Lord has helped us. Up until this point, we, you know, we, we tried it on our own and it brought us nothing but defeat. We tried it on our own and we didn't come out victorious. But when God showed up, everything began to change. When God showed up, when we called on him, when we turned our lives around, when, he, when we bowed our knee at an altar, God showed up. Hitherto the Lord hath helped us. I, I'm reminding somebody that you need to set that kind of stone up in your life today. God wants to be an Ebenezer in the room. He wants someone to leave saying, I'll tell you what happened in that service. God set a stone up. The Lord was my rock. It was uncertain until that time, but God showed up and everything changed. You, you need an Ebenezer in your life. You need that kind of rock in your life today. God wants to show up in your situation. God wants to import himself into your impossibility this morning. God wants to do that. I love how it goes on. It says, so that you go to the next chapter, go to Samuel 7, 13, next verse. The, the, the Philistines were subdued and they came no more into the coast of Israel and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You want to talk about victorious. You want to talk about mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That can happen. You need that kind of rock in your life. The Lord is our rock. Isaiah the prophet challenged Israel to look to their roots. There's some clever marketing on the web right now. 23andMe. What your DNA can say about your health. I remember when we were in, in high school and we, we talked about chromosomes. That was kind of like... And now here we are... Just a few years later. We can send them a sample of our spittle. I'll use a nice Old Testament word. And just a few lab tests and your privacy guaranteed. Is there even such a thing anymore? You can find out what your 23 chromosome pair can say about your health, about your traits, your ancestry, and you'll be given a package of 150 plus reports that only 23andMe service offers. You can find out a whole lot about yourself. You can find out a whole lot about your past. You can find out a whole lot about your present and all about your future. You can, man, you can find out a whole lot just from a little bit of spit. But there's some things that Isaiah... The prophet challenged Israel to do, and I think we need to remind ourselves, if you've been in church a while, you, it's important that we would look back to our roots for a little bit. Isaiah challenged Israel. He said, hearken to, to me. He said, listen to me. He said, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, 
and to the hole of the pit whence ye were digged. Look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. He, he said sometimes you got to look back, and, and when you look back, you'll find that, that the rock of your past, the rock that, 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 that is your heritage, your history, the rock that brought you to where you are, you got to remind yourself about where you come from. And this generation needs to be reminded about the heritage that we have in the supernatural. We need to be reminded about some people that have paid a price so that we could have apostolic truth and doctrine preached. We, we need to be reminded about how God picked us up out of a miry clay and put us on a rock. That, that there were some people that stood for separation and holiness and, and shunned sin so that we could have what we have today. There are times when we've got to remind ourselves we didn't build this thing on quicksand and we didn't build this thing on sinking sand. We built this thing on a rock. This is what this church's background and history and heritage is all about. And, and with the help of God, we're not going to continue building on anything else. We have got to continue building on that rock. I'd like someone just to declare with me this morning, the Lord is our rock. We're not building on anything else. We're not building it. We, we humor ourselves sometimes with the story of the three little pigs. There are three little pigs, let me remind you, because for some of you it's been longer since I was in high school. Time for them to leave home and seek their fortunes. And before they left, their mother told them, whatever you do, do it the best you can because it's the way to get along in the world. And the first little big, he, he builds his house out of straw because it's the easiest thing to do. Anybody with me? We have it easy, too easy sometimes. And when we suffice it, to build our little house out of straw, we say, well, that ought to do. That's enough for now. That, that'll get by. That, that'll get me by. That, that'll get me through. And, but th let me just tell you, we're not, we're not trying to live, live life for the here and now. It's about eternity. It's about, it's about investing in something that's bigger than ourselves. It's about, it's about laying our treasure up where moth and rust do not corrupt. It's not, it's not about straw. Straw is going to burn in the fire. Here I am preaching the thing I'm going to reject in a minute. Second little pig, he built his house out of sticks. Pretty much all of us have a stick-built house. This was a little bit stronger than the straw. The third little pig, he, he built his house out of bricks. And One night the big bad wolf comes and he dearly loves little piggies. Roasted, fried. He sees the first little straw house and he says let me in let me in little pig or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in and you know the story not by the hair of my chinny chin chin said the little pig and of course the wolf blows his house in and eats the first little pig and in some stories some stories little pig runs away and gets in the third house <laughs> the politically correct stories this must be an old rendering comes to the house of sticks, let me in, let me in, little pig, or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in, or, or depending on how nice your grandma was, she might tell the story of the little pig getting away. You know the story, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin, the wolf blows that house in, and then he comes to the third house, and he huffs and he puffs, and the house stands. He's a sly old wolf, so he climbs on the roof of the house, and he looks for the way to, to get in, he finds the chimney, but the little pig builds a fire, and he's got the kettle just boiling by the time he gets down through and takes the lid off and the wolf kerplash splish splash <laughs> depending on how mean your grandma was or your mom 
Otherwise, he got smoked out or got headed out. Or and I know it's cute and it's quaint. And, and they're trying to teach a message, but again, we can get it so wrong. Because the matter of fact is, it's not what, you're built, it's not what you build your house out of. It's what you build your house on that matters. As D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from a bygone era, he preached a message from Deuteronomy 32 and verse 31. He said, for their rock is not our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Even the world knows when it looks closely and clearly that there's something different about what you've got. Their rock is not our rock, but this rock can be your rock. This rock can be your rock this morning. The world can present all kinds of ideas about how to live your life. Live for fun. Build on that rock. Live for adventure. Live for yourself. Build on experiences and knowledge. Build on yourself. Your plans, your dreams, your future. But the truth is none of those things will last. At some degree, it's all wood, hay, or even your own bricks, but you've built on the wrong things. Because Jesus himself in Luke 6 and Matthew 7 said there was a wise and that there was a foolish builder. There was an eternal build and there was a temporal build. There is an easy way and there is a hard way. But what matters most is that you build your house upon the rock. I wrestled with God because of the simplicity of the message this morning. But someone just needs to know, build your house upon this rock. Jesus said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, you can hear them and not do them. But he said, if you hear them and do them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded Upon the rock. He went on though. He said there was another builder. An unwise builder. He said. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine. Which doeth them not. Shall be likened unto a foolish man. Which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. He didn't differentiate between the materials of construction. The quality of the workmanship or the skill of the builders wasn't brought into the equation. Jesus didn't draw dividing lines over the draftsman's plans. He didn't mention furniture or staging of the home. The details aren't given regarding art or architecture. The view really didn't matter to him. The composition doesn't come into the equation. He, he didn't calculate the square footage or the curb appeal. He wasn't in the dialogue to talk about location, 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 resale. resale. He, he wasn't concerned about it. What mattered most to Jesus was what they built their house upon. Because God knows that if you build on a strong foundation, you'll end well. But if you build on sand, then it will surely fall. We can come to the music this morning. I mentioned this, the song, Christ, the solid rock. He is that solid rock of Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7. He, he's the sustaining rock that we read about in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, Paul said, I would not that ye should be ignorant. 
how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea and they did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink of the same spiritual rock for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. He was that sustaining rock. The rock is, is noticed in the beginning of scripture when they cried for water and water was given them from the rock. At the beginning of their journey, it was there in the wilderness. But if you look carefully in Scripture, you'll find that at the end of the journey, he was there as well. And you can try and reason it away with some theologians that it was two situations, two rocks, two scenarios. But Paul makes it pretty clear. He said, that rock. They all drank from the same spiritual rock, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. In other words, when they reached out to that rock, that rock reached out for them when they began well God didn't leave them high and dry no pun intended he was that rock that followed them that continually brought Israel water through the wilderness we read about the quail and the manna we read about the sustenance that God provides but it seems like it's almost invisible but this rock this this supply never left them it followed them that inseparable rock was Christ this rock that rock is in this room this morning. The Lord is our rock. You see, he's that stone of Daniel's vision. A stone not made with hands that hits the image made of everything that was man-made and destroys it, but then that rock sets itself up as the mountain. Jesus, Luke, Paul, and Peter all reminded us of the critical cornerstone. If you build on the rock, the rock will continue to complete the building that you become. Jesus said, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Acts 4, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Ephesians 2, verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. 1 Peter 2, 6, wherefore also it's contained in scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he which believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. He is the cornerstone. He is the living stone. He is that stone. He is here in this room. The Lord is our rock. That's all a great elementary class Sunday school lesson so far. But the reality is, is that somebody this morning is in quicksand or sinking sand or you're stuck in the mud of life and you can't get anywhere right now. I just want somebody to know that he is the rock that you can step on that's immovable, incomparable, irreplaceable. He's the rock that will follow you. He's inseparable. He is supply. He is everything that you need and he is here this morning. I wonder if we'd raise this screen as we stand together. Someone's asking yourself the question right now, well, where do I start? You start where Jesus said to start. Build 
on the rock. Because if you start well, it, it doesn't matter. If, it's, if you start well, then you're going to last through the storm. You're going to last through the wind. You're going to last through the rain. If you start well, if you build on that foundation, if you build on that rock, which is Christ, then when everything else around gets shifted and changes and, and gets washed away by the floods that would come, I'll tell you what, you're still standing. You need to tell somebody, there's some people in the room this morning that are still standing despite some devastating situations that have happened in their life. I wish you'd just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still standing. Tam, I'm still standing. Darcy, I'm still standing this morning. I'm still standing, not, not because of my strength, not because of my ability, not because of the construction that I, I've made. I've done so many things wrong, but I tell you the one thing that we've done right. We stood on the rock. If we can just build on the rock, no matter what comes our way, it doesn't matter how all together you've got it. If you're on the rock, you're going to stay when the storm comes. If you're on the rock, you're going to stay when the wind blows. If you're on the rock, the flood tide may rise, but you'll still be standing I'm still standing this morning I'm still standing no wonder Jesus said because if you start right you can end right but if you start wrong it can never get right the starting rights critical it's of primary importance it was a question he asked to his disciples it seemed it's called all kind of questions in the message this morning but it was Jesus asking this of his disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? He had already asked them, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some think you're John the Baptist. Some say Elias, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But finally he zeroes in. He said, who do you say that I am? Because this has got to become personal for us. I wish everybody would just close your eyes for a moment. I, 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 can't, I can't help but sense the the sincerity, the gravity of the moment right now. But you've got to ask yourself, do I know who he is? Do I know him? Who do I say that he is? Is he, is he a, a, a prophet? Is he, is he somebody that some author wrote about in ancient script and it's just been passed down by ideas and human religion until now or, or do I know who Jesus is do I know him who do I say that he is and Peter answered not out of intellect and Peter answered not out of what he knew but inspiration happened in that moment he said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjon, for flesh, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this rock, Christ, this rock, that's what his church would be built on, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On that rock is what this church is built on and that revelation is here for somebody in the room this morning because it's this this church isn't isn't the constitution that we drew up and passed in a business meeting and and the members uh, voted and and all agreed that 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 that's the the governing bylaws that help us do business well but that's not what this church is built on this church isn't built on uh, on what come come through the offering plates and, and put a footing course and a foundation and, and kind of all this drywall and steel on the outside and 
wooden whatever on the inside. That, that's not what this church is built. This church is built on that rock, which is Christ. That's what this church is built on. So here's what I know. This church is going to last in spite of whatever comes our way. That is what the church is built on. Now there are keys that give you the privilege to be a part of that church. The keys that, that he gave Peter, he said unto you, I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be loose, bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But the critical element was that there was an understanding that that rock was what the church was built upon. I need him this morning. Stand on the rock today. Stand on the rock in your life. Stand on the rock regardless of what's facing your family right now. Stand on the rock. Scripture says if you'll fall on the rock, then, then there's something powerful that can happen in your life. I wish that you just pictured this altar as a huge rock today. And I'd like to invite you to come because this, the Scripture says that if we fall on the rock, then, then God will break us and do a work in us. But if we don't, then God will allow that rock to crush us. I want to fall on the rock this morning. I want to build on the rock today. God, break everything that's, that's me. Break everything that, 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 that I shouldn't be. But build what you want to build in my life this morning. I, I need to build on that rock today. Does anybody want to agree with me? Would anybody just come and echo echo what's being said this morning? And say, that's what I need. I need to turn some things around. I, I need Samuel to preach into my life because there are things that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. I, I'm going to fall on that rock this morning. Just come while they're playing it for a minute. We'll sing it in, in just a second. But, but I'd like to invite you to come. I, I'd like to challenge you to come this morning. There isn't anything too supernatural about what occurs in these aisles. But, but let me tell you, there's something supernatural that can occur in your life if you'll just let God work this morning. Fall on the rock today. God, you're turning. You're turning situations around right now. I have found